This is Becoming Braverman. May God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others and let others do for you. May you build a ladder to the stars and climb on every surrounding you. May you always be courageous, stand upright and be strong. May you stay through that intro third time's a charm first try okay this is uh the first real episode of becoming braverman and we're doing this all in one big audio loop because doug's brat um and that's how he wants it to feel so i'm doug by the way that's aaron talking crap yeah. about me yeah um so first, I'm going to start. I have been given the dire responsibility of doing a recap of the show before we get started. I don't know why I have both the pens. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to set... Do you think I should do it in 30 seconds or 60 seconds? 60 seconds. Okay, so basically, I'm going to just give... I'm not going to give any of my opinions necessarily. I'm just going to plot summarize so that... Even if you're not watching the show with us, you can still have a grasp of what we're talking about. And, um, but I'm going to do that all in 60 seconds. And, um, and then if there's anything that I, did, I missed, you're going to let me know about them. And then okay. from there, we'll decide what we really want to talk about. Because as we were talking about earlier, we don't have to talk about every single thing that happened in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, about yeah. picking out. So you, oh. You uh, time me. I'll stop you at 60 seconds. You can't yeah. go over. So go, give me a three countdown. Okay, season one, episode one, pilot. 60 seconds, go. We start off with basically Adam has to be everything to everyone. He's trying to have a little bit of me time. And he's getting pulled in every single direction. We meet Sarah, second chance Sarah, moving back home with her parents, with her two uh, slightly delinquent children. Uh, from there, we meet Crosby, the fuckboy, uh, and he's, like, getting back together with this woman who clearly does not bring... I'm sorry, I can't help but put in my opinion. That's fine. This woman who clearly does not bring him joy, and yet he's keep, he keeps getting wrapped, wrapped up in her, like, literally. Um, and then we meet Julia, the working mom with no boundaries. Uh, uh, she's at some, like, picture op with these uh, dressed-up animals, and... Um, Work keeps calling, and it's annoying. And then uh, Max plays baseball. Hattie and Amber get caught with weed. Drew tries to move back with his dad. Ten seconds. Um, Matt bites somebody at school. He's got this whole pirate situation. Crosby finds somebody else's sperm in his some, somewhat girlfriend's frisbee. That's it. Frisbee? I meant freezer. <laughs> you, you said you were supposed to say Max. You said Matt. Sorry. Bites, Matt bites somebody. Okay, there's no Matt yeah, in the there's show. There's no Matt in the show. 
So that was a good recap. Before we get into like what we actually want to talk about, is there anything that I missed that you think you know the listeners need to know about? Just no. Before we delve into the those stuff. are the major ones. Uh, actually, so many things happen because it's the pilot episode. They're really trying to hook us. They're trying to hook us and with all the drama. And they definitely did. There's a lot to talk about. Oh, another thing I missed was Sarah and Jim Krasinski, but I'm sure we'll yeah, get but that's that because... you know you hit the major things right. Um, another thing, oh, what I was, what I noticed when I was kind of piecing together my plot summary in my mind was that we know because we've watched the show several times, we know that this show ends up being way more about just parenthood. Like it has to do with the, the, the plot lines that happen further are not just about being parents, but they're about being sons and daughters and wives and husbands. But I realized that every single, pretty much not maybe not every but every single major plot line in this show is directly tied to parenthood so they were really going hard in the paint with like staying true to that title through this pilot episode so just wanted to point that out okay yeah there's so many <coughs> characters and they 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 touched on the personality of every character in this first episode. I know, it and must have been such a challenge for them. And there's so many this. main characters, it's hard to do. Because we lit- we meet, we meet the patriarch and the matriarch, Zeke and Camille Braverman, we meet all four of their children, all four of their children's significant others, and with Crosby, there's, there's two different women that we meet, and with Sarah, there's Seth, who's not really, it's uh, her ex-husband, but still, like, we meet all of the people that their children have had children with oh yeah that's right Jabbar that's a big part that I left out yeah we meet all these different characters all in like what roughly 45 minutes probably yeah. 43 minutes but this isn't we didn't really start this podcast to like talk about the craft of the show necessarily we're more just talking about oh we could talk about anything though any, anything yeah. we want to talk about yeah oh what I did want to mention is what we found out in the very small amount of research that we did was that this show was actually based on a 1980s movie that Steve Martin did named Parenthood and then back in the early 90s there was a very like a one season long show that they tried to do based on that movie so this is like a reboot of a reboot and this one was you know six years so successful more than the one season we should have watched the other one yeah, that could be a bonus. So what do you want to... We don't need to do this chronologically, right? Oh, so Yeah, this is our first episode. and uh, I, We're figuring it out as we go. We wrote notes down during the episode, and I just wrote down so so many things in the beginning, and I realized you know, there's just too many things going on to hit on yeah. everything. So it kind of stopped during the second half of this episode. So I have a gun to your head. What do you want to talk about most about this episode? Like, oh well, like what's the first? Thing my thing, and it's not only going to be this episode; it's going to be pretty much all the episodes that Sarah is in, <laughs> which is almost all the episodes because they do a great job of having an ensemble cast that pretty much shows up every single episode. I think towards the end, because it was probably getting more expensive, towards the end you see more episodes focused just on one branch of the family, certain characters, but and... especially in the first season, like we really get it all all at once. But anyway. Metaphorical gun to your head. I mean, in in the beginning, right? So you have Adam. Adam is running, and then you know he takes a break because he's out of breath, and then he receives phone calls mm-hmm. while while he's trying to exercise. And 
Um, I think one of the phone calls he receives is Sarah. Right away, right off the bat, Sarah's calling Adam because he, she can't find Amber, her daughter, and she's on her way to moving home, and she's she's trying to find Amber, and you know we've seen that this is my third time seeing the show, and so I remember you know Sarah is definitely a character. I'm not gonna say hate because we can't we don't want to hate anybody. No. But it's one that I I, I mean they the the cast or the director does a great job on making her. Uh, very dislikable. Very flawed. Yeah. Yeah, she's very flawed. Well, not only does she lose Am- in the very first episode of this of the series, she loses Amber and then she loses Drew. So she, they definitely, it's on purpose. Yeah. I mean, to just to speak about the craft side, you're there's no villains in this show. But no. You're definitely meant to see Sarah not always in the best light. I think that's part of, and I'm not gonna be. I know you're gonna kind of be a, a Sarah. Hater. Sarah Hater or whatever. I'm not... I'm and Just by nature of living in uh, a world that is black and white about... Or like there's two... You know, two... I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, back that truck up. Just probably I'm going to like automatically slip into like a Sarah supporter from time to time. Just because you take such a strong Sarah... Anti-Sarah. Anti-Sarah stance. Anti-Sarah stance. I will find myself almost wanting to just respond to that, which will naturally put me in the side of Sarah supporter. But definitely, yeah, I, I remember with each watch, it just becomes more glaring how flawed she is. But I think that's also a good thing. I, I don't think that this show would be what it was if Sarah was less fucked up. You know what I mean? I think, and and that well, I yeah, think that's sure. part that's... of the draw is that there are so many things that we watch her do wrong time and time again. But that's what generates conflict, which that that's what generates a good television show. Oh, of so course, of course. You get really worked up. About I'm just it. saying, like, if you get into the characters, like, like not dissecting, you know, the mechanics of the show. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. looking at the like why. the character, I definitely, uh, you know, I I wrote down a few things about her. Um, a lot of things about her, but one thing is, uh, she was looking, you know, she just moved in with her parents again and she's out there like looking for apartments. Right. It seems like, like right away. Even I responded before to that, like finding a job. a job yet. Yeah. And also before finding a job, she's going on a, on a date with somebody from high school. Um, to be fair, are you done with the thought? I don't want to yeah. talk you. Okay. To be fair though, just to interject. She was encouraged to do that by her sister-in-law and her sister. So it was almost like, like, yeah, she could have said no. She, In an ideal world, she would have put her foot down and been like, no, I just moved back in with mom and dad. I need to focus on getting a job. I need to focus on being a, a strong, supportive mother for my kids who they are both in their teen years and they haven't had the best stable home life. Uh, you know. But she didn't do that. And she was pressured from the two female people in her life now that she's trying to reconnect with to go out on this date. So then it's like, what does that say about the whole expectations of women in general? Like, it's like, you, you know, like, it should have been enough for Sarah to just be moving back home with her parents. when yeah, but, but, it, but it, yet they're the ones putting it on her, like, oh, yeah, go on a date, too. You need a date. Oh, like, yeah, why yeah. Does, why does they're setting her up date? for failure, for sure. But they're her siblings, so they just want her to, you know, have fun and whatever. Yeah. Um, but Drew, you know, walks in on Sarah and... 
Jim Krasinski mm-hmm. about to have sex. And, and no, not about to have sex. They'd already had sex. Okay, well, whatever. What, Drew, they were half naked. Drew sees them like, uh, and, and he was very like disappointed in her in his mom. It's the rever- There's a role reversal. Like Sarah felt like the child, and Drew felt like the parent. That was that was the, that's what added. That's what made the show like funny. Um, you to know, me, that was not a funny moment. No, to I, me, that I, was I a very serious moment. It's very sad because. Uh, Drew has no father figure. In, in this episode, he goes and leaves uh, his mom's place to go see his dad in another city in Fresno. Yeah. And, you know, his dad is too busy going on tour, so he can't, you know, watch watch Drew, so he sends him home. Uh, so he's got no father figure, and so Drew catches uh, Sarah and Jim, and he's very disappointed because now it almost seems like he doesn't have a, 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 a mother, mother figure. Right. You know, she doesn't have her stuff together at yeah. all. And so he's got no example to go by. And so right. well, that's why he's very messed up and very confused. And, and he cries a lot in the episode. In, in this whole series, he cries yeah. a lot. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with men crying. Let's be clear about that. It's 2019. That. It's um, okay. <laughs> that's something I actually want to touch on with Zeke. But anyway, but no, just to finish up my thought, because I kind of interjected with what we were... But, but yeah, that what's supposed to make that scene funny is that the roles are reversed and, and Drew is mm. the one that catches them and Sarah, and Sarah literally says at the end, I'm so dead, like a, like a teenager would who got caught with their boyfriend in the middle of the night. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's actually more sad than funny, but that's clearly what's supposed to be on display. Yeah, she's like, acting like a teenager. By, you know, I'm going to stand, like, I don't... I, there's mo- most of the things that Sarah does I would do differently I don't know oh yeah of course but it makes for good TV and like yeah. a show just about Adam and Christina would not be nearly as compelling a show where Sarah marries a corporate banker and not a tortured musician with a drug app problem as she says on her date to Christina would not as be compelling and yeah. so and this is and the, we wouldn't be making this podcast probably if you didn't hate Sarah of so course much. it's the very beginning of the show and you know, we're going to come to find out that Sarah evolves just like everybody on the show yeah. into a, a better person. Than you she, think so? Well, in, in this episode, she's very judgmental, I wrote down, of Jim Krasinski's hair. Yeah. And the fact that he's a barista. I know. And, and, he's and maybe, she's, she just moved back. Maybe. And she doesn't well, even have a job and she's judging him. self-hatred because maybe she's, you know how usually um, what you dislike about someone else is what you actually dislike about yourself, but you might be in denial about it. I think that's probably why she's reacting so strongly to the fact that he's a barista at Berkeley Coffee because she doesn't even have a freaking job and she just moved back home with her parents, which like conventionally in the eyes of like society, like, oh, you're just failing, you know? But so she sees that in another person instead of hating herself, she's like judging. But she's not bald. No, she's not. That's, that's just, (laughs) she doesn't see that in herself. That's, that's that's um, beauty standards for She's men. She's very superficial. Being, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the thing I like about Sarah, because I guess that's just what we're, we're talking about right now. Well, we'll be interested to hear this. Well, it's not, I don't, it's not like a good argument. To, I'm not... Let's be clear. I would never... I'm not ever in the business of trying to make you like Sarah because that's not... First, I know that's not going to happen. And second... That it wouldn't accomplish anything. You, me, getting you to like a fictional character that doesn't matter. I'm perfectly fine with you disliking Sarah. I dislike her a lot too. But like, listen, like we've been talking about her for like over ten minutes, so she's clearly a compelling character. Of course. Um, 
but the thing I like about Sarah, which is something that I mentioned in the in our trailer for our podcast, was that I what I like about the Bravermans, even though it sometimes leads to dysfunction, is that they don't really shy away from feeling those big emotions. And so she definitely doesn't shy away from that. Like she has no problem running out in the middle of her date and calling Julia to, to scream at her sister about which. And there's so many problems with that. Like, like just screaming at your sister about that, about, about you setting me up with a bald barista. That's problematic, but it's like big feelings. Yeah. She's, she's got she a lot just, of good. She doesn't just sit there and do what people expect her to do. Yeah, she has a lot of admirable. great emotional qualities. I feel like for sure. She's very empathetic. She's, she feels she's, all the she feelings. does. She's very spontaneous. Does spur of the moment things. I wonder what her astrological reacts. sign is. I wonder if we could look that up. If, if if all the brave women fictional characters actually have birthdays, because I know they celebrate births on the show, but there's never like, oh, it's April fourteenth. It's Sarah's birthday. Yeah, I don't think that they have that. But and so I would say, what what astrological sign do you think she? I think she might be. A I have no idea. I don't know enough about it. Rather I know spontaneous. I'm a Libra. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's probably not the best line of thought to go down with you. Um, so the other thing the, I wanted to oh, say was, okay. uh, you know. Uh, I guess it morphs into like Adam, but you know Sarah is is calling Adam. Everybody's calling Adam mm-hmm. uh, because he's like the stable rock out of all the four. I used that word too. I wrote that word down too. Yeah, and so um, you know Z in the opening scene when he's running, he's taking a break. Sarah calls him. Z calls him. Uh, did Julia call him? No, Julia didn't call him. But once he goes to his dad's his parents' house to help him with the leaky pipe or whatever. Christina calls him while he's literally under the house and somewhere in that Crosby Falls News. So alternate title for this episode would have been Everybody Needs Adam. Yes. Like, because that's clearly, that's like the main, I think that. And you can, you can feel it. You can kind of see that Adam is like the main character, at least for this episode. And yeah. You're, you're, they're showing how like everybody needs Adam. Well, it's also like foresh- second patriarch. It's also foreshadowing in the future episodes that he's probably going to have a breakdown because he's, yeah. he's having to carry all of his siblings and his his parents or at least and one of his parents. And we see what happens with Max this episode. Like yeah. that, I think I think it foreshadows even just the end of this episode where Adam does have a breakdown in front of his dad and he goes Oh yeah. He goes, you know, my my I've got the shivers. This I oh, I've just Yeah, it's definitely he's an like, emotion. He's like Too there's old. something wrong with my kid and I'm going to need you and that's the first time yeah. Adam expresses that after a whole 40 minutes or whatever of everyone needing Adam and him being so strong and so steady. And like not losing his cool and not you know freaking out or anything, he's like it's a very it's 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 made into a very powerful powerful moment because of everything yeah, that came before. When it. Christina was telling Adam uh, that she went to the doctor and then you know <sighs> she was telling him that you know the doctor thinks that Max has Asperger's. That was almost like the same scene that when Adam was telling uh, Zeke about mm-hmm. you know his condition and. It seems like, like in the beginning, Christina telling Adam, Adam didn't get it until she said, "There's something wrong with our right. son." Right, and until she says, "Please, I'm gonna like cry just saying over it," but she's like, "Please don't make me be alone in it." Because what's yeah. happening, what you see happen in the scene with Adam and Christina, which I I love that scene so much because you see two different like world views, not world, but you see two different viewpoints clashing. Where Christina, she is accepting of what the educational therapist has said. And she's she's accepting reality, and she's very sad about it. She's very upset about it. But Adam is literally he's rejecting reality. He's trying reality. to fix, fix it. But when you reject reality, you don't you can't make reality any better. So he's like, no, 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 we're gonna get him a tutor. We're gonna get him a tutor. And Christina's like, no, a tutor is not 
the answer. It, this is yeah, not I don't think something he understood. that he's going to... Yeah, he didn't understand it. It wasn't it. on his radar that this could be a real thing for one of his, you know... And probably because he had so many other things on his plate, he couldn't even didn't even have the time and space to consider that this could actually happen to his kid. And But it was the same thing when, when Adam was telling yeah. Zeke, and Zeke didn't get it. He was like, come on, let's go in. Let's let's watch the, the rest of this, uh, you know, play that, that uh, they were putting on. And then he said, there's something wrong with my son. Mm-hmm. And Zeke finally understood it, and he's like, okay. Okay, okay. look, Sonny. Look, Sonny. So that's a great segue to talk about Zeke. Because you see, you get, a, you get a very strong introduction to Zeke in this episode, too. And I know... Zeke is probably your favorite character. Yeah, and he's he's very old school, right? So he, yeah. he's an older gentleman. He's the grandpa. I have here in the notes, you know, he, Zeke, weak hands. <laughs> I can't even read it. Doug is trying to read oh, his Zeke, own handwriting right Zeke now. makes like a, um, he, he shakes hands with Drew, and, and Drew has like a weak handshake. Right. And he made a big deal about that. And then they were playing uh, basketball with Max and he ends up elbowing Max and giving him a bloody nose. And his whole justification was, well, Max is is little has a little bit of height deficiency, so we need to get him in. We need to work on his ball handling skills. He's all it's like very yeah. goal oriented, very skills focused. And yeah. then of course the whole baseball battle too of like you know, Max has to play baseball. Yeah, but so it's kind of weird because in the beginning he didn't want to play. He didn't want to play at all, and it was almost like he was forced to play. But then the final scene of this episode. You know, they're having lunch over at, I think, one of the Braverman's house. It looked like it was Adam McChina's backyard because then after... Yeah, anyway, that's... And then Max comes out and says, hey, it's, you know, it's time for the game. And, and Adam's very surprised. And then he's very happy also. Yeah. And they make it out to the game. And so he wants to play. I don't remember that where he didn't want to play. And then all of a sudden at the end of the episode, he wants to play. So I don't know what's coming next. In the next episode with that. Because I know he doesn't play baseball forever. No, no, not definitely not. But, yeah, as far as just that that whole... I think that was a little bit of a contrived scene, like, meant to be for, like, a really big emotional kick-pow at the end or whatever. Because, and it then definitely it's was. It's also foreshadowing of the whole series and how baseball is kind of this metaphor... Well, it is a real thing, but it's also, like, a metaphor for their family as far as, like, even people who don't necessarily care about baseball, they can all they all unite over it. And I don't want to get too far into the future, but yeah, I was thinking about just to kind of get back to Zeke. Okay, what, um, do, you, what do you have to say about Zeke? Yeah, I put like because I, I I I it's interesting to me that you noticed those things about Zeke too because you know in in two words I could describe Zeke in the very strong two words, but there's a, there's a lot of toxic masculinity going on with Zeke. And wait, wait, wait a, hold on for a second. Is there some, what's the difference between toxic masculinity and regular masculinity? Toxic masculinity is that's a great question, but and I'm not going to try to provide like a dif- definition to please everyone or anything. But for me, the way I would define toxic masculinity is a warped masculinity, like the, the taking of masculine like admirable masculine traits but then putting them in this like forced pressurized state where you're making people feel like they have to be a certain way to be a man or that you're you're turning you're taking certain things that are more considered feminine and it's like if you ascribe them to a man then they're not so much a man it's like toxic masculinity is not just like 
bad for women. It's also bad for men. Like it's. it's but weird. I don't think a firm handshake is toxic. No, 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 not at all. What I'm saying, and that, that's what I'm. There's nothing wrong with having a firm handshake. But is a firm handshake really what makes you a man? A woman can have a firm handshake, and that's and that's a, a firm handshake is a sign of a of a strong person overall. It's when you take that and you make it a signifier that you're a true man. That's what makes it toxic. Mm. Um, you gotta realize think, that's the world he grew up exactly, in. and that's and he's why I to still change. he's trying to adapt in this this new world. And he, yeah, and that's why I, that he was I never like, exposed to before. Yeah, I like that you describe it as old school. I think that's a much more compassionate way of viewing him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that everything that Zeke does is toxic masculinity. He's not like dripping in it, you know. I think that. And, and the thing is, he's not intentionally doing any exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah, is he's just not, his world. That's it's his world, and um, it's his world, baby. We're just living in it. No, but but yeah, like it's just he does these things without even being aware. Um, but you know, as you know, like you said, it's 2019. It's just interesting to know. I'm not trying to start a crusade against Zeke. He's one of my favorite characters too, and I think that he has way more admirable qualities than you know. Yeah, and, and because he has a very strong masculine presence, and also he does have toxic masculinity, and when he does like break down and get emotional, it, it means so much more right. because it rarely happens. It may, he it just makes him that much more compelling. I keep using that word compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the way he is about uh, sports and about like the thing again. Some of these things are not necessarily toxic, but it's just it just stood out to me like where he he's very goal oriented and he thinks there must be a solution to everything if you just like stiff arm it and like stay with it long enough. That's how he approaches the problem with Max until Adam is like, no, if he forces it, this is how you know. right. Well, and then there's the scene towards the end. No, it's actually probably kind of in the middle where you see. Because also, okay, I've started like three different sentences, so I'm going to take a moment. Slow down. <sighs> what you see in all the storylines that were introduced to in this episode are all different. You know, they're all about parenting, but then another through line is the different parenting techniques that we see in everybody. And then we, and then we see with Zeke and Adam a little bit of friction between generational parenting techniques because after what happens with Max... And him accidentally getting elbowed in the face by his grandfather just because of the way they were playing basketball. I think that was intentional, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, to toughen him up. I think that's his goal. I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he meant. He definitely meant to play hard, but I don't think he meant. I don't think he was like, I'm gonna elbow my grandson in the face tonight. Um, ooh, good title. I'm gonna elbow my grandson in the face. Tonight. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. Um, let's name it that. Anyway. God damn it! Well, okay. No, no, no! You have to let me. Okay. You have to let me finish this because, um, oh, when at that whole scene where Adam is like, "I'm not raising my kids the same way you raised us," and of course that's offensive mm. to Zeke because Zeke sees, you know, Zeke raised four kids and he did the best he could at the time, and he's like, "Well, what is that supposed to mean?" And Adam puts it so poetically where he's like, "You know, I don't want my kids to to grow up thinking that everything is a war." Right. Yeah. But then Zeke laughs and he goes, "Oh, Sonny, everything, everything is a is war." A and war. that's just you see, it, again, it goes back to where like I I can't I could never start a crusade against Zeke because he is not like he's not intentionally being toxic. He's doing the best he can with the tools that he has considering how he grew up. He's a veteran of war, you know, like he he's probably got some undiagnosed PTSD perhaps, you know. So 
Yeah, he's but yeah, he's like, Sonny, everything is a war. So I just love that scene because you see the friction between two generations of parenting, and then you also just see different like Crosby learns that he is even a parent. Um, and Julia, you know, and, and Christina are definitely two very different mom Julia, Christina, and Sarah all are very two different moms, so it's a very big parent but I saw you writing something. No, I was just no, I, I was thinking it. about masculinity and how you know, it's definitely changed and it's currently changing a lot right now. It was a lot masculinity meant something different, like even when I was a teenager than than now. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh like even for me, uh recently I, I you know, I was always working out and always trying to like be as, as strong as possible and eating all this protein and, and meat and you know, to try to become that masculine figure and you know, recently I've just kind of stopped doing that. You know, I've stopped eating meat. And he's crying more now. I'm not crying just more. Just kidding. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that if you are. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, you know, I'm evolving also. And I think it's it's just, it's like a worldwide thing where the definition of masculinity is changing. It's not what it used to be. It's, you know, we're not, like, constantly at war. Like, there's not these major world wars going on like before. And uh, we live in a different world where... You, you really don't have to do anything physically demanding anymore to live a, a happy and successful life. In yeah. the past, you kind of had to. Like, if you were drafted to war, like, you had to step up. Otherwise, like, you would die or, or something. But you had to step up to, like, protect people, you know, the soldier next to you and, and fight back. You really don't have to do a lot of those type of things anymore. Um, you know, I, I do enough of the working out, but, like, I'm not doing what I used to do. Um, so, so my, you know, maybe I have less masculinity. I, I don't think that's the case, but I think, you know, it, it's definitely just the, what it is, how people view it is, is changing. You can still be masculine and have like very little muscle, uh, for example, I, I feel like. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I wanted to One say. One more thing I want to say about Zeke and then maybe we'll move on because we've, we've kind of talked about, talked about Sarah, we've talked about Adam, talked about Zeke. I think we should definitely talk about Crosby and Julia and then you know, maybe get more into the the significant others too, but definitely talk about the four kids. But one more thing I just remembered when you were talking was when um, Adam was underneath the house trying to fix the pipe for his dad, and they were talking about Max in the baseball game because Christina had called and said, like, I can't get Max's phone on his baseball shirt. And Zeke was like, well, what's the problem? What's the issue? Just get the kid to put the put the shirt on and make get him to report he the deal. Get it. And Adam's like, Dad, you don't get it. Max, he's, he's just a sensitive kid. And Zeke goes, well, so were you, Adam, but I cured you. <laughs> <laughs> I cured you. And the, so, yeah, it's just another, it's just a di- different viewpoint where Zeke... But like, he didn't cure him because in this episode, Adam orders a veggie burger. And yeah. Cros- Crosby makes fun of him for it. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's another reason I love Adam. That's why he's my favorite that, character. Yeah, aside from that, Adam is, what, if you had to choose between Zeke and Adam as your favorite character, who would you pick? Oh, that's a tough one. I okay. don't know. I think it's always been Zeke, but like, really, Adam exemplifies everything I think you would want in a, think, in a man. I think you would. So he's got like sorry. a very masculine, like like uh, gen- generic masculine qualities that we all knew yeah, about. He's the quintessential American. But he, man. he's also like very progressive and like he's very open and he's he's changing his mind. I feel like all the time and he's adapting. Yeah, if I could choose. Between, but you know, probably Zeke still. Yeah, I think Zeke is uh, just as far as like 
the legacy that he leaves because he's essentially what made all of this happen. And he's... Yeah, like Adam keeps it all together. Sorry. Yeah, Adam is basically the the next patriarch in line. If this was a kingdom, Adam would be next in line to be the king or whatever. But, and so Zeke is, is very... He's a bigger character in terms of like all that he encompasses and like all he he touches more characters, not literally, Whoa. not literally, but like he's he's there for more characters in even more ways. But as far as like who like this is just a weird like personal like who would I want you to be more like? <sighs> Obviously, Adam. You know? like, uh, I, I like you just. The you way don't you like are. toxic masculinity. I like you just the way you are, but the, the yeah, Adam is like, f- for one, he's the quintessential American man as far as like. You know, he... White skin, blue eyed. Oh, wow. Okay. That got problematic. Um, you know, he's... I'm he's, a minority, He's got way. a family. He's a minority, so he can say racist This shit. is fine. <laughs> That's not, um, he, he's got a family that he provides for. He's, you know, he's strong. He's there. He's got the advice. But yeah, he also... He can dance he like can no one dance. else. He's if the he, best dancer in the Braverman family. I'm right now. He's... He's not afraid to dance. What there's a we'll get more into that the first time. You, there's a thing he calls his dance. He's like once you start it, you can't stop. It. Anyway, and this um, reminds me too. This is he's why he's not afraid to cry. Yeah. He's definitely. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't like labeling people with anything. So I wouldn't label him a feminist. But he's definitely. He he's there for Hattie as a dad, like in a very progressive, open way. Um, yeah, he's just he. Ugh, we just love Adam. And this just reminds me in future episodes, you know, Zeke kind of becomes that person where he, he kind of like, like almost withers away, you know, as he gets older. But his as stubbornness he's... keeps him from growth. Yeah, but like, exactly. He doesn't grow. As he, much he, as Adam does. Right. And so like... Look at us finishing each other's sentences. For the, you know, cute. later later episodes, later seasons, it's, it's kind of what happens. He withers away and he has to rely on other people in order to get things done, even Which in this, is okay. Time. It's okay. To yeah, but it, it, no, it is okay. But for him, it's not okay. That's like and his it makes world. It, it makes his life not like as enjoyable. Him yeah. in the beginning of the episode, having to call Adam to fix something in the crawl space under the house, like he used to always do those things. Yeah, but I want to interject. I don't think that Zeke actually needed Adam to do that for him. I think that Zeke just wanted to talk time to him. With Adam. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to just check in, and so and because Zeke is living in that world where, as a man, you can't be like. Hey, buddy, I want to have a conversation. Can you come over? Like, it has to be for a reason. Like, Adam, I need you to come fix the pipe. You know, he's not, he doesn't want to appear sensitive mm-hmm. and open and, like, wanting. He doesn't want to appear like that he needs anything. So, it, it but it's okay to need help with a, a busted pipe. Yes. You know? Like, in his world, that's okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, wow, we could talk a lot about Zeke and Adam, huh? Let's, what else do you want to say about Adam, then, before you move on? Let me see... Um, yeah, I just put Adam equals the rock. Uh, Adam is the advice giver. Um, I love how angry he gets about the baseball call. I just think like oh yeah, that's, that's great. a little bit of you know like I I only mentioned this because I already mentioned it before. But that's a little bit of like toxic masculinity where he just gets super angry and but I just love. But that it was for a him. good thing if, if he, you were. Max, or if you were anybody in the family, like even Zeke, uh, uh, um, compliments him for doing that. Right. It, well, because that's for making that's, a big a deal about the wrong in call. World is def- being defensive of your family like that, yeah. and like about sports and everything. But it's almost like yeah, like that's when it's a, that's when it's appropriate to get that emotional in Zeke's world. You know, to I think it's emotion. okay too. I don't think there's. I don't think that's toxic masculinity. No, no. Maybe. Yeah, I'm kind of rescinding that. I'm just saying. 
not toxic, but it's just like it's he, well, he wasn't hurting anybody. If he Adam, started to Adam was doing things Zeke's way. Let's just say he was doing it. He was doing a Zeke thing, which does not make it automatically toxic. It's just a Zeke thing where he's like getting in somebody's face. It's exactly what. But Zeke I think done. that could still be an Adam thing though too. Oh yeah, we see it. He he does that. He's again not hurting anybody. He's not the punching future, the umpire. Which he's just, he does punch somebody made... in the grocery store because of Max. Hey, we can't spoil. It. We haven't oh, watched that right. yet. That's right. Sorry, that doesn't give away anything. That doesn't but... happen, does it? No, not at all. Well, now you just lied. We are erasing your memory. Adam punches no one. Yeah, I love uh, his... Ad, ad, I was doing this weird thing with alliteration, so I was like, Adam is the advice giver. Adam is everything to everyone. Adam gets angry. So, yeah, there's all that. But I think I said everything I need to say about Adam for now. Okay, so Amber. Um, oh, we're going to get into Amber, huh? I guess I just have I have one thing I wrote down. Okay. So Amber's the one always getting in trouble. In the beginning of the episode, Sarah had to find where she was, and she was staying at her boyfriend's house. And I wrote down here, um, you know, later on in the episode, Amber and Hattie, they get caught with weed, and so they're at the police station, and, you know, their parents come to pick them up to bail them out. And, you know, Amber was saying it wasn't her weed. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, like, kind of, that's another Sarah thing, I guess. This is, a, yeah, this is another knock against Sarah. Mm-hmm. She doesn't acknowledge, really, that it's not her weed. Like, she, she says, oh, okay, it's not your weed. That's great. She's very sarcastic. So, she's like, oh, what a relief. Yeah, she's sarcastic. And so it almost seems like, I mean, I don't know what that means. Like, she doesn't believe her or yeah, not. Yeah, so let's get into that scene. What I, that, what frustrates me so much about that is that all the assumptions that are made and so much a lack of information that's given to us, the audience, too. All we see is we know that Amber and Hattie had made plans to hang out. Hattie had, like, very stiltingly been like, if you want to hang out with me and my friends after school, you can. Like, not really a warm welcome. She was clearly put up to it by her mom to invite her cousin out to hang out with her friends. Um, Something happened. We never actually see Adam and Hattie hanging... Or, sorry, Amber and Hattie hanging out. But something happens with weed because then Sarah gets a phone call... They all end up at the jail, and Adam's like, it's okay. They didn't get officially booked, and nothing, nothing's going on in their record. And we just see Amber and Hattie, lots of things going on in their facial expressions. And you can tell, because of Sarah's actions, where she starts apologizing for her daughter, you can tell that everyone's assuming that whatever happened is Amber's fault. But nothing is said for sure, and we won't get into that because we haven't even... We technically, at this point, don't know what happens because we have only watched this first episode. So... But that's so frustrating to me because, yeah, Amber just has these assumptions made about her and Hattie is like this perfect shining angel. And so then Amber tries, she like lets, because you can tell from the very first scene with her trying to escape and live with Damien, she's got like a very hard shell around her. And she tries to like let down that hard shell for a minute and be real with her mom and say like, hey, it wasn't my weed. And... To just kind of answer your question about like what does that mean how Sarah responds, I think that basically the story that Sarah is telling herself in her head was like, well, even if it's not Amber's weed, it's probably Amber's fault that they were smoking it. It's mm. probably probably Amber was the one that asked like, where can we get some weed? So it, even if it, Amber's, I think Sarah probably thinks that Amber is trying to claim that it wasn't her weed to try and just get in less trouble. Maybe Sarah just doesn't even believe her. Maybe Sarah does believe her that it's not her weed, but she's like, it doesn't really matter she's just so sarcastic because she's already got this 
this narrative in her head about her daughter, which is really fucking messed up because but, everybody has a narrative about Sarah too, and Sarah hates that narrative. Oh, she's that doing the same thing that everyone's doing to her. She's doing the same thing to her daughter that everyone's done to her. Yeah. Put him in this box because of the, the actions that you've made. You must. Well, be that, this that, kind that's of the thing. So you know, even though you should believe what your daughter says, but we're not privy to it because this is the first episode we've seen. We do not know the history. Of their relationship, and we do know Amber that Amber's been smoking cigarettes. Amber, right? Has so this, th- this could be like number nineteen, exactly. The the nineteenth. Wow, time, look at you standing up for Sarah, kind of. The nineteenth time that Amber has like lied straight to Sarah's face, or like gotten caught with some kind of weed paraphernalia. Right, and so something. it's like historically you're full of shit, right? And you, this is your weed. That's true. There's there's a history there that we don't know about, and we even know that Sarah has like refers to both of her kids as like slightly degenerate kids. Yeah. Yeah. I but think that was a great point you made though because that's exactly what the family is doing to Thank Sarah, you. what Sarah is doing to Amber. It's, the, it's, it's generational trauma repeating itself. The cycles, if you don't break cycles, they're going to inadvertently repeat without you even knowing. So you have to have that self and that's why it's important to be aware of why you're doing things as a parent or even just as a person because you might be doing something just because you saw it done that way. That could be a name for the pot for the episode. Break the cycle. That's a little too generic. Generic, yeah. Oh. Um. Okay. I'm glad you brought up Amber because yeah, she doesn't really get a lot of screen time this episode, but she's one of my. I like. I I don't know if I like her. I don't. Oh, sorry, that's your foot. I no, I like not. talking. My feet are by, under my chair. Oh, okay. That was just the chair then. Anyway, um, I did want to talk about like I said, or I want to make sure we talk about Crosby and Julia too because those are the. That way we get the four main kids. So well, we didn't talk about Julia. No, but Julia's the last kid. Uh, the last, not not the last character we get introduced to, but she's the last Braverman of that generation that we get introduced to. So maybe we'll talk about. She's her. the youngest. That's right. Oh, that's I see what they did there. They went in order. They introduced them in order of birth. Okay, so yeah, we uh, open with Adam, then we get Sarah, Crosby. So what do you want to Julia mention about Crosby? Yeah, well, what do you want to talk about with Crosby? What do you? What's the like first impression that we get of Crosby? The first impression is that he's still acting like he's very young, like mm-hmm. he's a uh, in his twenties or something like that, where he doesn't want to settle down. Uh, he's I don't know what uh, he, uh, he works at the studio, but he maybe doesn't take it that seriously. He's just kind of living life. That's he the lives in a boat house. We kind of find that out. We don't. See yeah, he's him. like the cool he surfer guy that, that's yeah. not a surfer. Not a surfer. No. Um, I don't know. I didn't have anything down to say yeah, about Crosby. Yeah, I think Crosby is like the least compelling at this point. Yeah, it's... I just keep coming back to the word compelling. Because he just, at this point, he just seems like a character that's been done before. Like the the, 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 the man who has a serious case of failure to launch. Like he, and But also, like, it makes me question whole society in general. Like, it's again, it goes back to the definition of masculinity. Is that what makes you a man? getting married and settling down and having kids like that's kind of that's a little bit of it's kind of weird because i'm looking at crosby differently than when i saw this two years ago because okay. you know uh, you know i don't know what job we're all going to be doing a year from now but right. like i'm way more open to like not doing like what adam is doing like his job yeah. compared to crosby crosby's kind of just living his life enjoying it and, you know, I think a lot of us are guilty of not doing that. So I'm seeing Crosby in a, in, different, in light. a different light. Like, you know, it's okay to kind of have fun, but 
this show portrays it as kind of a negative, a bad thing. And I want to point out, we don't know at this point what Adam does for a living, but we know there's some nonverbal signs, like... We see him in a full suit and tie. Yeah, he dresses nice. So we know that whatever he's doing, it's corporate America, business type of thing. And it's probably successful because they've got a nice house and two kids or whatever. But yeah, and we know that Julia... Well, actually, we're not talking about Julia yet. So yeah, Crosby definitely... Again, it's like an intentional painting him in kind of a, a negative light. Adam and Julia are like... The conventionally successful ones and Sarah and Crosby are a little bit like the stunted in their growth, maybe. Um, but yeah, the first scene we see is Crosby in bed with a girl who we don't know if it's you know his girlfriend. He's dating a girl. We learn that it's this on again, off again woman, Katie. You could tell who, he doesn't really love her. No, she, and she's just that woman her into doing things because that's her age. That's the time that this is what she has sperm in the fridge. Through. Yeah, she has sperm in the fridge, and it's not his. She's, I'm 34, and I want a baby. Which it's funny, because you're about to turn 34 in, like, three weeks. I know. It's weird. Um, but, yeah, like, Katie really bothers me because she's clearly not happy with this man. It's just I think she she's put in enough time with this man that she thinks, well, if I break up with him, I have to start completely over again with another person. Zoe, you're I'm thinking, too. I'm already, I've already, you know, I'm already 34 or whatever. And so, yeah, it's just... I'm definitely seeing that that story is like bothering me even more. The whole Katie thing, like that she gets so happy that he agrees to have a kid with her in three years. Like, I mean, it's, it's like a, a big part of a business of a woman's life, especially when like the biological clock. I think is a yeah. real thing. I, I heard where it pushes you. It definitely pushes are very you. valid. Oh, I just noticed a little thing that says the maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. So, okay. But that's perfect. Yeah, that's, that's, that's when we wanted to stop anyway. But uh, yeah, Katie and Crosby, you can see from the responses of the other siblings when it comes out that like Crosby is quasi-engaged to Katie because they're in negotiations to have a kid in three years. You can see them. they're all like, why? Like, There's clearly no love lost for Katie because she's like an on-again, off-again girl who's just working with Crosby too. They're co-workers. co-workers. So that's probably the only reason they ever met each other was they work at the studio together and she's the producer and he's the sound engineer. And I'm just like over it. Um, but then we have the whole big thing that happens at the end with Crosby. So what do you think Where he has that? a kid and he his reaction on his face was, oh, he's so spooked. Right. And, and, he, the, and his face is right in front of Jabbar's face. Can you imagine though? Can you imagine? I would never... Like that's stu- it was stupid of Jasmine to do it that way. You shouldn't have your bar re- there to when reveal, you're when you're revealing it. Yeah, and then, again, that was clearly just done for the dramatic effect. But yeah, like you, you're the one who's been mothering this kid for the last five years, and you, you, you're the one that knows how sensitive or how unhouse now how not sensitive he is or whatever. You're the one who's clearly emotionally invested in him, and you're gonna put him face to face with a man he's never met before, and then reveal to that man that he is. The son of that man. Yeah, you would never do that in real life, it's, like you said. Yeah, that's, that's it's a show, where... It's a show. That thing. show, it, yeah, it was a very not realistic moment. It wasn't there. even in a private setting. It was, like, at the marina. Well, it was it right was outside a, of his boathouse. There was yeah, nobody else around. He was on, like, the catwalk and stuff. He wasn't yeah. on his boat. Yeah, he was right outside of his boathouse, but not, like, not even... Yeah, the cat... Yeah, anyway, it was just, like... Wow, so Jabbar's gonna need therapy, you know. Like, that was... He might be young enough where he doesn't understand what's happening. Well, 
you know, there's whatever. But yeah, he's like five years old, and so so yeah, Crosby. It's it. I think it's really funny. Maybe fun isn't the right word. It's interesting that Crosby spends essentially the whole episode battling whether or not he's ready to become a father and then learns at the oh, end yeah. that he already is. Yeah. This is where my college degree is finally getting worked again. I didn't even think of again. that. All this analysis is coming together. Yeah. yeah you're good at I'm this. I'm good at this. Um, so yeah, that's very interesting that he does that and that's, it's a payoff. Like, it's good writing that he does that. I don't really have um, anything I else. didn't write anything down for Crosby. Um, yeah, just that he's getting, he's getting a lot of pressure to grow up. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, he's See, got... The thing about Crosby... It, see, to me, it feels so different, though, because Crosby and Sarah, they're kind of like the slackers, like you said. Right, but... But it's different with Crosby, where it's like, he's not, like, doing anything bad, it seems what, like. That's what I was going to say. Like, think about it. Um, he doesn't have a drug problem. He's not... He doesn't have any crazy addictions. He's not... He's got a, a commitment He's issue. not a flanky... He's not a flanky... Per- he doesn't have a commitment when it comes to jobs, though. Like, he might be yeah. a little bit... He has a job. He's been, he's holding the steady job. He has a place to live. Yeah, it's a boathouse, but it's still a place to live. Um, you know, he he has he probably didn't go to college, but he has he got some sort of education in this trade where he's able to make a living doing something that he actually enjoys doing. We you know we learn more about that later. Knock on wood. Um, producing like doing sound engineering he enjoys doing that you oh can, yeah you, you can tell even in the short scene that we see him doing that, that he's not just punching a clock he enjoys what he does um but yeah he's seen in a negative light just because he's not in a rush to get married and so yeah i think that that's i have a little bit more compassion for him than i done than i, I don't before. think he's doing anything negative uh, and it compar- reminds, it's all comparison like it reminds me of something that like uh, my cousin Mark said a long time ago, and it's like this running oh, joke. He might listen to this. It's this running joke where, like, he's like, anytime that Nanny gets a little, my grandmother gets a little bit worried about like where her grandchildren are in life. Mark said this one time, and then we just repeat it on and on ad nauseum. But he's like, look. None of us have gone to jail. We don't have any addiction problems. Uh, we've all received the appropriate amount of education for our stage in life. Nothing really else. Like, what else can you really ask of us? You know, like, Crosby's not harming anyone. He might be a little bit needy. He might be a little bit, like, a little undeveloped for his age, but he's not harming anybody. In almost every situation, the people that are telling you to to do these things, to go to school, get the job, get the house, get the kids, they're all older. Like, nobody's 22 and telling you it's to do that. It's the old school thing, yeah. Is there anybody out there that's 19 and saying, yeah, 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 you need to do this. You need no. to go to college. And so maybe it's all a trick. <laughs> they're saying that because they're like, we want you to be just as miserable as we are, so you have to keep doing these things. I don't think that's them. the main motivation, but it's definitely partially there. yeah. So, on that note, let's talk about Julia, who is doing the whole corporate lawyer thing. I have Julia's phone rings while they're at the amusement park with the family. So, and she takes it because, you know, she's got this, you know, high-paying lawyer job. So she has to take it never a day while off. sacrificing time with the family. And because of that, because she's never there and she's working long hours, uh, her daughter doesn't want to really hang out with her. Doesn't she's wanna, not bonding with her, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how old the how, what, how old I is she? I think Sydney and Jabbar are similar age, so I think Sydney is Three? Like five or six. Oh, no, okay. five or six. So then Jabbar does remember okay. Crosby's reaction on Let's his face. Let's not worry about Jabbar too much. Um, 
So she's never yeah, there. Sydney her... is, is requesting, you know, her dad to, to tuck her in and, and sing to her to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And you never want that as a parent, I imagine. Well, not that there's anything wrong with the dad putting the, the child to bed. But yeah, but only wanting one parent. Someone. Only yes. one parent. And Julia tries her best to deal with it. And you can see that that is her main grappling point through this episode and that's kind of foreshadowing um foreshadowing that's probably what she'll continue we can we can assume that that's what she's going to continue to grapple with this whole balancing of this career that she spent so many years working for and it's like her dream job and yet also trying to be a mother and to quote have it all when clearly you, she can't have it all her daughter's her daughter is the one not letting her have it all because she's like Mommy, I want Daddy to cut my steak, and I want mm. Daddy to sing me. To, and you know, Julie does a really good job of handling it in the moment, but you can see that it's hurting her. Of course, and you can see that she also she seems to enjoy her job from what we know of it so far. But she also made this choice to be a mother, and so it's like, where's the breakdown? I mean, I don't think it's that unusual that a kid um, favors one parent. If that second parent is gone, yeah. a lot of the time, it's just that normally it's, familiarity. it's the mom that gets It's usually the opposite usually, gender. I want mommy. Yeah, that's what I remember hearing. You know, growing up because our mom stayed home with us, so it was like mom is the familiarity. Yeah, like I. She's the one that takes care of you on the yeah. daily basis. And and he's like, oh, dad's home. That's cool. We're gonna hang out with him. We're gonna have fun with him. But he's not necessarily what we go to. He's gonna be gone. And those roles have been flipped with Joel and Julia. Joel. Uh, Gaga over Joel. Oh God. Um, we'll save that for later, but yeah, like it's it's definitely that's definitely an interesting setup for you know future conflict as far as what happens. Oh, there's definitely. It seems like Julia's there's going to be huge conflict career. there. Seems like it's it. building wait, up wait, when wait. when your daughter doesn't like want to hang around you, doesn't even want to see you when you're gone all day. That's going to lead to huge conflict. Right, yeah, usually even if there is more favoring of one parent because the other parent's gone, it's still exciting to see the parent that comes home from work, but that doesn't seem to be happening. With Not Sydney. at all. She seems to just be about her dad. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Okay, well, uh, I think it's time for closing thoughts. Oh, no, I just want to, I have two sh- very short comments to make. Okay, maybe they're your closing thoughts. Okay. Um, I, I wrote down Braverman's house is is. Pretty much in the mountains. It's like in the foothills. They have a great, huge house. Oh, yeah. They have land. They have a huge backyard. And they're still like in a neighborhood, too. They're in a they neighborhood. They have neighbors. They definitely have neighbors, yeah. but they're spread apart, and they're like in the mountains. I saw the mountain uh, when they first showed the house. Oh, okay. So I thought that was great. I would love to have that house, but we we'll probably never be able to. Anyways. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to say was... go and visit that actual... And you think that house still like exists? I'm sure it's there. You should go to California. Oh, it probably burned down in the house. fires. The oh wildfires. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, the other thing I wrote down was uh, when Max was at school, you know, he they were cutting paper. I don't know what grade he's in, but they're, oh, they're yeah. cutting paper, you know, with those uh, safe scissors. Kids safe scissors, yeah. And, uh, they and were making hearts. They you, were supposed... That was the goal. They were supposed to make... You were supposed to draw half of a heart. You were supposed to fold construction paper, draw half of a heart, cut it out, pop it out. You have a perfect full heart. Oh. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's developmently developmentally appropriate thing for him to be doing. It's at appropriate, that age. but but if he you was if you if you, if you can't do it, heart. it's like that's it, okay. it doesn't even matter. 
Yeah, like it's, it's okay if you can't it's draw. A useful, I can't draw the perfect heart. I'm 34 years old. Yeah, almost. it's like a useful skill to have, right? But it's also a useless skill to have. I never cut paper. Like, right, as an adult, I never cut paper. It's about just developing uh, finger dexterity. But you can stuff. develop finger dexterity playing video games. Point. Yeah, okay. Like, all I'm saying is, like, the, the, it's an example of the school system where, like, you know, he's he's going to freak out because he can't do this thing. Well, and also like, because he's on the spectrum. So he has it's a di- more difficult time anyway. Yeah, and I guess that's why they, sh- they should take him out of that school because you know something like this frustrates him or you know school system is schools should just be canceled anyway because yeah school is just oh god we don't have time for that we just lost all the listeners um all the listeners all nine of them nine thousand so you might not have an answer to this because this is not something that we discuss ahead of time but like you might not even be able to remember it but like if you had to pick a favorite scene or a favorite line pick one either a favorite scene like so you don't have to remember the words or like a favorite line just as you're closing. Didn't you say you hate these favorite questions? Just, but it's just for this episode. It's less pressure because it's just for this episode. Oh. It's not what's your favorite line from the entire Parenthood series. It's just what's your favorite line or favorite moment from this episode. I think it was probably at the end. We already mentioned it where Adam was talking to Zeke about okay. like there's something wrong with my kid. Yeah. The one that I would... Oh, are you done? That's it. Okay. The one that I would like to say as far as just my favorite line is the same. Wait, can I guess? Okay. I bet, you, I bet you it is with... Crosby. It's not with Crosby, but oh. good try. But I think we should uh, let's make a note of that and, and make that uh, a game that we play, like trying to guess each other's favorite mm. scenes. Okay, write that down, producer Doug, because I'm going to talk now. Um, my favorite. If I had to pick a favorite line from the show from this episode, I have to kind of set up the scene a little bit. So Drew, as we mentioned, he somehow like, gets on a bus, wherever, goes to Fresno, tries to move in back move back in with his dad but can't because his dad is not in the right place to be a dad and he's touring a musician or whatever plus Sarah doesn't want that to happen so Sarah drives to Fresno takes Drew back they stop on the way back to um, San Francisco Berkeley San Francisco at a gas station to get gas it's raining Drew's out of the car Sarah's like come on buddy let's let's go and and Drew's crying and Sarah Sarah's heart breaks for him and she kind of goes in this whole like I'm basically I'm sorry that you know the dad that I picked to be your dad is such a bad dad and then but the ending line which is you know she's like you have me and I'm not going anywhere which kind of needed to be said because she kind of had this distraction into Jim Krasinski so that needed to be reaffirmed with Drew like yes you just saw me half naked with the strange man in the kitchen of our grandparent of your grandparents house but I'm your mom, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm really sorry, but that's going to have to be enough. And I just love the sentiment of that line, like, I'm really sorry that this clearly is not enough for you, but it's going to have to be enough, and let's, you know, it's just about, like, everyone really is giving their 100%, and even if it doesn't seem like it to us from an outsider perspective, you know, that is really what's happening, and when you view it, this is a Brene Brown thing, but when you view that as everyone actually giving 100%, it just kind of breaks your heart open and makes you more compassionate and empathetic as far as observing the world. And so I just love that line. Like, I'm really sorry, but that's going to have to be enough. I feel like I could say that every day and it would be... And Fair enough. It'd be cool. Okay. All right. We have like less than a minute before we... If anybody wants to contact us... Oh, yeah. Becoming Braver Minute, gmail.com. And we will be starting an Instagram at some point. Too. Perhaps. Maybe not. Not right now. The this... Point- was Becoming Becoming Braverman. Braverman.